The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today, 1971, Episode 50. In this episode, we'll cover July 26th through August 1st.
Happy with his latest LP that reached number one, Paul McCartney is now keen to put a permanent band together. Drummer Denny Sywell remembers the call from Paul after the Ram LP's release. It was a couple of months after the album was out and it was doing well. Paul just called us, you know, we used to just, you know, talk every once in a while. He said, hey, would you and your wife like to just come over to, uh, to Scotland and hang out a little bit, have a little vacation? I said, yeah, okay, because that's our slow period, too. Uh, the summer months. So I said, yeah, great. We'd go to France and all this stuff. So we went over there and we're, we're at the farm and uh, all of a sudden he says, you know, I think I'm going uh, to put a band together. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and I said, Hugh McCracken's over here in, in, in uh, Europe. He was touring with Gary Wright at the time. He said, I got Hugh coming up too, so maybe we can just, uh, you know, pick it up and see what we can do. Great, let's go. And so Hugh showed up the next day or whatever, and I went up to the farm, and we uh, we hung out, you know, did what what guys do in those days with the wives and the kids and the dogs and everything. It was really nice. And um, then the next day we were asked to come back and and leave the wives in town, but just come back for like a serious uh, talk and a rehearsal and stuff like that. And so we did, and that's when he. Uh, he made the proposition that, that we put something together and, and Hugh said, well, I'm going to have to think about that. Hugh was a little bit more involved with the recording scene than I was in New York. I was, I was near the top. He was at the top, I believe. And he was producing. He was doing a lot, a lot more. He was more involved than I was, I should say. And his wife was also a model and an actress. So it would have been more of a commitment for him. So he, they thought it over, talked it over the night that night and uh, just declined. McCartney also again discusses having Linda join the band. We just were talking one night and I said, do you think you can handle being in a band? And uh, Mum just thought about it. And, oh. So I've never done it before. I said, well, I know, but when the Beatles started, we'd never done it before. And I said, can you imagine? We're standing behind a curtain and the curtain's open and we're in a band and there's old people there. Could you, how would you feel about that? You know, they completely freak you or could you get into it? I think I can get into it. So that was really the basis. We said, right, let's, let's try it. Mm. Let's do it. I didn't actually know how to set up a band. 
If you think about it, I'd never actually done it before. I joined the Beatles as an already set up affair. So I had to think about how I was going to do it. And to tell you the truth, I didn't have a clue. I decided I didn't really want to get together a super group of established names, which might have been the easiest option. I thought it would be better to just get hold of some like-minded musicians who enable us to grow together. We had Denny from New York, mm -hmm. Denny Siwa, and then I wanted kind of another male singer to sing along with, I think because I was so used to it with John. Mm. And so I remember Danny Lane from the Moody Blues. We'd been on tour with them, with the Beatles. And I knew he was a good singer, nice guy. So I called him up. Danny Lane, formerly of the Moody Blues, was working on a successful solo career. But on July 24th, while working on a solo album, Danny receives a call from Paul McCartney. He gives you the call. Yeah. And says, Danny, I'm forming a band. Do you want to Is put it? a band together? That's exactly Literally. what his words were. And he yeah. went, like... Yes, right away. I said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm in it. between bands at the <laughs> moment. said? <laughs> Why would I want to join Paul McCartney? Something like that. Is that something like that. What yeah. was it really? What did you say when he called? I said, well, I did say that. I said, well, I'm not doing anything else. So you let's know, do it. Then let's have a laugh. And I went up to Scotland and we did. And he decided to join. And he came to Scotland and rehearsed with us. So that was it. We started to put together a band. So on July 25th, and the next several days, Paul and Linda hold secret recording sessions in Scotland and at EMI Studios London. Drummer Denny Sywell is asked, how did this quickly formed ensemble deal with suddenly entering the studio? We went into Abbey Road and just got our sound and said, let's go. And in fact, uh, the track Mumbo, where you hear it start, take it, Tony. You know, we were like, we really had it going on, and the engineer just sitting up there, like, and Paul was screaming, "Take it, you know, hit the button, dude!" <laughs> Take it, Tony.
Linda were expecting another baby. Wasn't Mum quite heavily pregnant with Stella during those recordings? Yeah. So that sort of whole family thing intertwining throughout, mm. so it's like, right, we're starting a band, we'll do an album, mm. and Mum's like out here. If she'd have wanted to stop, I think we would have just sort of said, yeah, okay. Pleased with the new band's recording sessions, Paul and Linda decide to take a three-day getaway in the Mediterranean. But in New York, there's bad news for the couple when they are told, shortly before departure, that Northern Songs Limited of Great Britain and McLenn Music Incorporated of New York are suing the couple for $1,050,000. The suit claims that the McCartneys have violated an exclusive rights agreement for their song Another Day. The lawsuit breakdown is for $50,000 in damages and $1,000,000 in punitive damages due to the fact that both names, Paul McCartney and Linda McCartney, are claiming writing credit. Due to the current Beatles court case, Northern Songs and McLean Music still claim a monetary freeze on all Lennon, McCartney, Harrison, and Starr writing credits. Paul had used a legal loophole by utilizing Linda as a co-writer and freezing some royalties, or at least from her as co-author. Well, at the moment, it's all the money I haven't. Because, um, you know, I have these slight business troubles on, and uh, at the moment I don't actually receive any money. Mum had some savings from a photography and stuff in New York, and uh, so we, we kind of were able to live on that for a while. But it was a silly situation, really, because you knew with the Beatles' success, mm. I did sort of have money. It wasn't like I didn't have it. I just couldn't get at it. It was all frozen, receivership and all this stuff, all these legal things. So, um, luckily, we were living quite simply. In the lumberyard. We were living in the lumberyard. <laughs> All that home we were pulling it back. It was a bit of a tip, wasn't like... it? Yeah. I mean, I never remembered that until I saw the whole movie. So it's like, what were we doing? Mm. Money started to sort of flow again. Meanwhile, back in New York on July 26th, the first rehearsals for George's Concert for Bangladesh begin at the NOLA Studios facility on West 57th Street. Scheduled to appear so far are just George, Klaus Vorman, Ringo. I told George I was coming uh, when he was putting it together and I was in Spain actually and I remember it very clearly and uh, he was sort of backing off from making it a Beatle thing. Eric Clapton, Billy Preston, Badfinger and Leon Russell.
cut. George spends hours constantly phoning other musicians, hoping to persuade them to appear in the show. All these musicians came. Some of them flew thousands of miles, didn't get paid for anything. Dylan, you know, he was really into the whole idea of it for the refugees. The next day, on July 27th, George, Ravi, and Alan Klein hold a press conference to announce the concert for Bangladesh this Sunday at New York's Madison Square Garden. Mr. Harrison, with all of the enormous problems in the world, how did you happen to choose this one to do something about? Because I was asked by a friend if I'd help, you know, that's all. All I'd heard, you know, I mean, up until the time we decided to do the concert, there'd been very little... Uh, that I'd actually read about it. I'd read little pieces here and I'd heard a little bit on television in England. No, it's the same. I mean, it just happens to be East Pakistan now, as far as I can see. It just it happens to be that which we're doing the benefit for. It, it's particularly a bad situation there. But, I mean, it does happen all the time. You know, this is happening everywhere, like Biafra was last year. This year, it's East Pakistan. Any war, you know, is bad. And, uh... I don't particularly uh, like the idea of what's going on there, but, you know, that's politics, the political side of it. Now, I think it's bad when anybody should come in and massacre a lot of people, but, uh, I mean, we're really trying to relieve the, uh, the effect of the massacre. You know, I don't want to get into the cause of it. My purpose in being here, first of all, is really just to try and raise the money. Ravi came to me and he said if he was to do a concert, maybe play to so many thousand people, but to the size of the problem, the money, the funds that would be made would just be so small. So that's where I came along. I can generate money by doing concerts and by making records. The political side I'm not interested in. There's a war, you know, any war is wrong as far as I can see it. There's a bad situation there. All I'm trying to do is generate enough money and make sure the money is distributed in order to relieve some of the uh, agony. That's all. I'm not interested in the politics. Uh, would you uh, tell us how the idea for having this benefit performance came about? Well, the idea was very spontaneous uh, because coming originally from part of the country which is known as Bangladesh. I was very concerned about the whole thing. Could you speak and, and we wanted to do as much as possible in 
way of contributing especially to help the displaced people and uh, i talked with george and he was very sympathetic and it spontaneously came about and then that's how it is george how much money do you hope to get from this well it depends really um maybe through the concerts we could estimate maybe about how much maybe 250,000 from the concert but if we record the concert and film the concert then maybe that would be a greater way of making the money you know a record could possibly sell a million to 2 million if it's good I mean, could you tell us your role and the role of Apco Industries whatever that is whatever that is we just put up the money <laughs> yes, exactly what I said. All of the expenses for the concert, the renting of the hall, bringing the people uh, here, uh, thing, so that it's a concert uh, and a charity where uh, every dime that comes in, the gross money, is the money. If you were Mr. Klein, could suggest how you're going to prevent the kind of thing that had the cops out in force at Shea. Apparently it was so bad at Shea Stadium that the police know. could not take action. We're doing with all the parents going. The court row with the Beatles in the concert on August 1st, you'll be, you'll be right out in front. You'll be the number one star. How do you feel about that? Uh, nervous. <laughs> I personally, I'd prefer to be a part of a band, but, um, but for this, you know, it was just something we... We had to do in order to get the money. We had to do it quick. So I had to put myself out there and hope I'd get a few friends to come to support me. Will Ringo be there? Yeah. Are there ever times when you wish we were back together again as a group? Uh, yeah, there are times. But there's times also where we all appreciate not being together as a group. Why? Well, let's, should we talk about the concert? Really, this concert is here, you know. I mean, the whole idea of it is to try and help some people. And we're not here really to talk about the Beatles, you know. I mean, it's not maybe incidental, you know, that the Beatles should be mentioned, but uh, it's not really the purpose of being here. On Wednesday, July 28th, in America, Apple releases a new George Harrison single called Bangladesh. It is produced by George Harrison and Phil Spector.
The single did moderately well, but fell short of the airplay and money that everyone thought the song would generate. The B-side titled Deep Blue was written about the death of George's mother last year. On July 30th, former Apple employee Richard Dilio visits George at the Park Lane Hotel in New York and informs him that he is writing a book about the Beatles. He will be calling it the longest cocktail party. George replies, 
Well, it's only just the beginning. On July 31st, George, proceeding with the Bangladesh show, happy in the knowledge that Bob Dylan now has agreed to perform, later this evening, at Madison Square Garden, the final rehearsal for tomorrow's concert takes place. If not for you My relationship with Bob is, um, you know, I just always tried to be straight with him, and, um, you know, he responded. Bob would come in and rehearse with the band what songs he was going to do, and so it was really a matter of, of working it out at the last minute. Right up until the moment he stepped on the stage, he was not sure he was coming. Because the night before we went to Madison Square Garden, he saw all these cameras and microphones and this huge place, and he was saying, hey man, this isn't my scene. I can't make this. By that time, I'd had so much on my plate trying to get it organized. And I was saying, it's not my scene either. I don't do this every day. In fact, this is the first time I've ever done anything on my own. You at least have been a solo artist for years. So on stage, I had a little list on my guitar and I had a point where, where it said, after Here Comes the Sun, it just had a, a, a bob with a question mark. And it got to that point and I looked around to see if there was any indication if Bob was going to come on or not. And on August 1st, the Bangladesh concert is held at Madison Square Garden. The program was initiated and prepared by George and Ravi Shankar. The beauty of that concert was that it was all um, just so rushed and so spontaneous. And once you get into planning like a tour or we're going to do this, we're going to do that, uh, I lose the, you know, loses the appeal. The concert raises $255,971 for relief in Bangladesh. I'd just like to say before we start off with the concert, 
that uh, to thank you all for coming here. And uh, as you all know, it's a special benefit concert. We've got a good show lined up, but I hope so anyway. First part of the concert is going to be an Indian music section. You're going to hear a sitar and sarod duet. And uh, as you realize, the Indian music's a little bit more serious than our music, and I appreciate if you could... Uh, thank you. I appreciate if you could uh, try and settle down and get into the Indian music section. So let me introduce uh, on sitar Ravi Shankar. And the master of Sarod, Ustad Ali Akbar Khan Sarod. I'm sure you all know Robbie's tablet player, Alaraka. And this evening the, the drone instrument, the tambura, is being played by Kamala. So I hope you enjoy the concert, thank you. Tambura. <laughs> Ravi Shankar introduces the evening in a fatherly manner to make everyone aware of the purpose of the concert. Friends, as George told you just now, they will be participating in the second part. The first part is going to be us playing for you on the Indian instruments, the Indian music. This is a type of music which needs a little concentrated listening and I would request you to have little patience. I know you are very impatient to hear your favorite stars who would be in the second part. But we are trying, we are trying to set the music to this special event, this historical program, which is just not a program as usual but which has a message. and. This is to just make you aware of a very serious situation that is happening. We are not trying to make any politics. We are artists. But through our music, we would like you to feel the agony and also the pain and a lot of sad happenings in Bangladesh and also the refugees who have come to India will play a dhun, which means an air or a melody, which is based on a folk tune of Bangladesh. And after that, we'll play a gath, a fast gath in thin tal of 16 beats. Now, as usual, I would request you, my friends, to refrain or stop from smoking while the program is on. Thank you very much. God bless you.
Thank you. If you appreciate the tuning so much, I hope you'll enjoy the playing more. Thank you. Important to George was the raga portion of the event, with Ravi Shankar weaving his spell over 20,000 concert goers, sitting cross-legged on stage with his sitar. You know, Ravi Shankar is a composer. I mean, he's a human. He happened to have uh, spent about eight or ten years practicing and becoming the master of an instrument, which once he's mastered is an obscure thing. Then he spent 15 years doing one-night stands. Uh, so people, now he's got his audience, but people seem to uh, still only think of him as a sitar player, when actually, you know, he's a fantastic composer. The concert for Bangladesh was a major feat of organization, which came from Harrison and Shankar. Not just the assembling of all that talent for a non-commercial cause, but the technical aspect, including the excellent recording equipment and procedure, and the fast and frantic rehearsal that pulled the concerts together so tightly to showcase all that solid musicianship.
continue with uh, a song from a member of the band, old friend of mine, Billy Preston. Why can't we be humble? your heart be troubled Let morning sobbing cease Learn how to help one another And live in perfect peace If we'd all just be humble Like the good Lord said He promised to exalt us But no is the way That's 
The event was a thundering success. Ringo represented the Beatles on stage, since although John and Paul were reportedly asked to join in, they didn't show. You see, I asked George for the gig, he wouldn't ask me. <laughs> Which isn't true, I mean, he wanted to ask me, but he didn't know if, you know, he wanted to get me involved in that scene that was going on, you know, because he's my friend. So I said, well, come on, you're putting that group together, well, where's my place? So he said, oh, will you play? I said, yeah, come on. So that's how I got to Bangladesh. to a few people up here. Everybody here came at very short notice and some people even uh, cancelled a few gigs to try and make it and nobody was getting paid for anything. Uh, we got on drums, Ringo Starr. Also on drums, Jim Keltner. 
There's somebody on bass who many people have heard about, but they've never actually seen him. Klaus Vormann. And we've got a whole lot of guitarists. Uh, Mr. Jesse Ed Davis. Your friend of mine, Mr. Eric Clapton. And then, a, thank you, thank you. Somebody I'm sure you all know by now, on piano, Leon. Stand up, Leon. I don't know if they're coming through on acoustic guitars, if you're hearing them, but it's uh, an Apple band, Badfinger. And we got a whole lot of uh, singers out there. The singers um, are all from all different parts of the world and different bands, so let me just give them a big hand. I don't know what's really... And the Hollywood horn players over there, led by Jim Horn. Forgotten anybody? I don't know. We've forgotten Billy Preston. Love, love, love. 
stage being dark and I looked around and here's this guy in a jean jacket walking toward me and I knew it was him. He was all ready though, he was so nervous and he had his harmonica on and his guitar in his hand and he was walking right on the stage, it was like now and never. And so I just say... I'd like to bring on a friend of us all, Mr. Bob Dylan. It's a hard, and it's a hard 
It's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard rain's gonna fall. Oh, what did you see, my blue-eyed son? And what did you see, my darling young one? I saw a newborn baby with wild wolves all around it. So a highway of diamonds with nobody on it. Saw a black branch with blood that kept dripping. I saw a room full of men with their hammers bleeding. I saw a white ladder all covered with water. I saw ten thousand talkers whose tongues are all broken. And it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard rain gonna fall. What did you hear, my blue-eyed son? And what did you hear, my darling young one? I heard the sound of a thunder that roared out a warning. I heard the roar of a wave that could drown the whole world. I heard one hundred drummers whose hands were ablazing. I heard ten thousand whispering and nobody listening. I heard one person starve, I heard many people laughing I heard the song of a poet who died in the gutter And it's a hard, it's a hard, and it's a hard It's a hard, it's a hard rain gonna fall Who did you meet, my blue-eyed son? Who did you meet, my darling young one? I met a young child beside a dead pony I met a white man who walked a black dog I met a young woman whose body was burning I met a young girl, she gave me a rainbow Of the deepest dark forest Where the people are many And their hands are all empty Where the pellets of poison Are flooding their waters Where the home in the valley Meets the damp, dirty prison The executioner's face Is always well hidden Where hunger is ugly Where souls are forgotten Where black is the color And none is the number Tell it and think it and speak it and breathe it Reflect from the mountain so all souls can see it And I stand on the ocean until I start sinking But I know my song well before I start singing And it's a heart, it's a heart, it's a heart It's a heart, 
much, sir.
Leon Russell, Eric Clapton, Billy Preston, and the folk master Bob Dylan all had their magic moments with the crowd. Dylan especially, since his appearance was a well-kept secret until just before he ambled onto the platform. The short planned concert is over for George. George is both relieved and energized. He is inspired to write a song called The Day the World Gets Round, and on August 2nd, George and Phil Spector begin a week of all-night sessions on the Bangladesh album. Coming up in a moment, John Lennon imagines a successful album. My album, Imagine, is, inverted commas, a revolutionary, peaceful album. It has the same message on that I said in Give Peace a Chance. It has the same message as my last album on, just done in different ways. Yes. yes. So we're still for peace, all right. Paul responds to John. Someone like John Lennon says, your music? Yeah, it was very hurtful. Um, but one thing I knew about John was that he, he shot his mouth off very often about things. So that uh, uh, there was a point that, you know, when he deliberately wanted to say crummy things about me. Why? Um, he was hurt. Uh, he later explained it by saying that I'd kind of hurt him over some things and it was kind of bitchy. Next on Yesterday and Today. For more information or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. I'm Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts Yesterday and Today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad <laughs> from his better show than ours. <laughs> wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the show's as we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? <laughs> Don't worry, we will. You can head to our social media pages, that's facebook.com slash yesterdayandtodaypodcast or facebook.com slash thirdmen, or you could head to society Six. Dot com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's society, the number six, dot com slash K-A-M-I-N-S-K-I Family Podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. <laughs> Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we need your help. <laughs> Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. Thank you, Dad. All right, we'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see oh, me. For God's sake.